Actually, I just I just realized something about what I just said that I can prove myself wrong. So, oh, well, let's let's cover that. I love that. Yeah, let, let's let's cover me being wrong. <laughs> so, more of that, please. So, Jeff, can you believe that our Red Hat episode has gotten us quite a bit of feedback? I would believe that. I'm actually well, not surprised. I was, I was hopeful. I was anticipating it. I'm glad that it um, has come to fruition. So we've got a whole slew of feedback here that was in the Matrix channel. And I'm going to go over that. And you can give your input because obviously I've already responded because this was before you were in the channel. You are now, which is nice. Yes. So everyone say hi to Jeff. He is, yep, that's mud. Mm -hmm. uh, so say hi to him and then feel free to flame him as much as you desire. Oh, please bring it on. Also, if you ever are wondering if something is mud, just, you know, send me a picture of it and I can tell you, yep, that's mud or no, it's not. He, he is really good at identifying mud, I as am. a matter of fact. I am. I've got lots of practice at it and don't ask why. Anyway, we start off with some feedback by a typical colonel, and he mentions two things I didn't hear you, or quite frankly, nowhere else, talk about in that episode. One, how much additional effort did CentOS cost Red Hat, since most of the work would need to be done for RHEL anyway, patches, etc. Two, is CentOS Stream considered stable slash production ready, if a company is mm. willing to work inside CentOS Stream support window? Pardon my ignorance. Especially on the first point, if I'm missing something or just completely wrong. But wasn't CentOS just rebranded RHEL with no support? So following that logic, couldn't Red Hat simply clone a RHEL repo, do a find and replace on Red Hat Enterprise Linux to CentOS Linux, and make it available to the public and keep the original assumed EOL? And simply say there will be no CentOS 9 and all community resources will be directed to CentOS Stream. So. That's good questions. Yeah. And I replied with, from what I know and have heard so far, one, Red Hat has never disclosed how much money that CentOS cost them. Um, not the acquisition, but the maintainership mm -hmm. and paying people to do work on the code. Two, CentOS Stream is, from what I've seen it described, a development version for RHEL. I.e., if you're building for RHEL, use CentOS Stream. Red Hat is not positioning it as a stable release in the way that CentOS Linux was. That's what RHEL is for. They know downstream forks <laughs> will be created, and they can't stop it. Yeah, okay. As to your later question, CentOS was rebranded RHEL. However, security patches were not in step with RHEL. Once Red Hat took CentOS under their wing, they became responsible for it. So any issues in CentOS then reflected poorly on them. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, if you ever had any problems with CentOS, that felt the CentOS team. And kind of the way it used to work is if you would report a bug they would say oh that's nice file it upstream hmm. some things that were specifically because of things they had changed they would do but a lot of it was just you need to file that ticket upstream right um now that centos is an official red hat project which happened when red hat took over the project red hat's image and reputa reputation is now on the line so they put more effort into it than it previously had been getting yes exactly or said simply CentOS was not just a recursive sed line away from RHEL. There was a lag, and it was, it did use its own build infrastructure. There were potential differences. Now, they were usually minimal enough to not really be known or noticed, 
but there were some. Mm -hmm. um, and from my knowledge, CentOS binaries and packages were not hash equivalent to their Red Hat counterparts. Yeah, I believe that. So that's my understanding based on conversations that I've had. Perhaps I've been told incorrectly or I misunderstood incorrectly. If that's the case, I hope someone can provide me with the actual details. And Elagost responded that from what he understood, at its peak under RHEL, CentOS had less than five people working on it. Um, maintaining two distributions must not have been something they were willing to allocate sources to. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's true. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I don't want to like repudiate someone having, you know, inside inf information or anything. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that to me. It feels like that's. Yeah. I, I have no idea how many people they had on it. Uh, let's see. And I also responded then that, you know, if there were any issues with CentOS, the usual response was not our problem. File a bug upstream. Yeah. Um, at least that's the experience that I had more often than not. Yeah. But I think that I knew there was a lot of people that were blaming Red Hat for CentOS problems, whether or not they were actually Red Hat, like upstream, a bug or CentOS problem. And mm -hmm. I think I alluded that in the other episode that, uh, I felt maybe Red Hat was compelled to purchase CentOS because so many people were forming an opinion of Red Hat unfairly or improperly because the mouthpiece through which they were viewing Red Hat was not under Red Hat's control. Mm -hmm. And it almost felt like they had to reach out and buy CentOS so they could control the narrative and control the image better. And I long felt like that was one of the reasons for the purchase. And that in goodwill, you know, they were trying to do some of the right thing. But honestly, corporations don't spend money needlessly unless it's going to get them something. Even right. altruistic corporations usually have something in mind when they're going to purchase something altruistic, you know, mm -hmm. goodwill. The uh, we talked about that before. I'm yeah. certain that there's something like that here. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it 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 is it is a tough business sell to say, yeah, we have this thing that you pay for, but here's also the same thing that's free. It doesn't necessarily make the best business decision for Red Hat. Now, obviously, anyone can make a new version mm -hmm. of CentOS. There are some that have started up. Because it's GPL code. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you can't stop that. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. However, it doesn't mean that necessarily Red Hat themselves wants to fund it and be responsible for it. Oh, absolutely. Because at that, uh, that point, you're basically creating a, an extortion treadmill. Just a, a series of people that create forks of Red Hat that are bug compatible, cause problems, force Red Hat to buy them or kill them, something. You know, like, if I know I can extort money from Red Hat to get my clone to not be as bad i might consider that to be valuable you know i know there are people that think that way i've witnessed something like that mm -hmm. well, something, not, not exactly the same thing but something downstream um i don't know it was a long time ago slackware thing maybe not around for blue white 64 do you remember any of that back in the days before I do, amd I, 64 yeah i do remember the name yeah it was a uh, wild it, it's i I don't actually know a lot of what happened there. I just remember there was some questions of this guy was taking the code base. He was within his rights to do that. He was making a fork of it. He was publishing it his own. And then he was um, having trouble uh, supporting it for some of his users and kept coming into Slackware asking questions. You had alluded to, in the dev user relationship episode, something similar to someone who was doing that for Puppy Linux. Mm -hmm. Well, this gentleman was doing it for Slackware. And, okay. and then was getting into it with some of the, uh, the community members uh fred comes to mind because fred also had an amd 64 port of slackware and the two are kind mm -hmm. of butting heads over um which had supremacy which is to say fred's like he's an immovable rock of gibraltar nothing faces him he's cool like that so <laughs> he's just like okay whatever but the guy who was putting out blue by 64 kind of had like uh he felt very self-conscious about it maybe. and his had a lot okay. of problems that's that fred's didn't and so he was i don't know this was back and forth over it and I was very happy when Blue Light disappeared all of a sudden, 
Actually, I don't know what happened to that guy. I should look into that. That'd be interesting for a future episode. Yeah, you should find out. Any old slackers um, that are listening to this, uh, contact me. Let's see if we can figure out what happened to that, because I would really like to follow up on that. That was, a, that was an interesting story. And maybe we can even get Fred on here to, to tell his part of things. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's a complete uh, non sequitur from Red Hat. But yeah, and I've, I've, I've gotten a lot more information as I've talked with more people in Red Hat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been able to read a little bit more of the tea leaves. And there's some, there's some information that I want to hold till later. Okay. But I, I think that one of the things that I mentioned uh, is going to become potentially truer sooner than later. Like like an um, embargo you're holding this information? Or? No, no, not like that. But I, I think that okay. there, there's been there's been things said that lead me to believe that what I mentioned before about how they might make discounted rel things much more uh, available. Okay. I think that's probably going to happen. Oh, okay. Well, now you um, said the thing. <laughs> well, yeah, now I just said it, so I guess I'm not holding it till later. Um, it's okay. You haven't filled but, in all the details. Yeah. You're wetting our appetites for whenever you do decide to, to share your well, knowledge. Well, also, bomb. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I can't repeat people exactly. I can't name right. them. I yeah. so have to wait to see how it works out because it may be something that is going to get shot down in the corporate ladder that then doesn't actually come to fruition. And this year, um, functioning as a journalist, and you probably need to follow journalistic integrity procedures. Don't name yeah, resources. It's, it's, kind of a, be it's kind of an important thing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, on to more feedback. Yes, more feedback. Less distractions. Uh, about this. GHJLX responded, and he goes, Near the end of episode 19, regarding the entitlement thing, I remember the discussion from a previous episode about what rights an author should keep. I feel that the underlying topic may haunt us for a while. Hmm. And he says, I'm probably just very naive. But I have not yet subscribed to the there is a massive amount of crippling entitlement today line of thinking. Is it really common for companies, individuals to use CentOS in bad faith as discussions presented in this episode make it out to be? That sounds unlogical to me. Um, before I before I get your answer on that, mm -hmm. uh, I want to say what my response was. And that's okay. in this situation, it's a bit more complicated because if, if you remember the comments that I was referring to that other people were saying was that Red Hat had no right to do this and they had to continue offering the free offering and not mm -hmm. um not just the paid one and i said red hat has already given away the code for free under the gpl they deliberately made that decision however there are people who feel that that is not good enough and that red hat much package it together into an iso for us to download and install for free and also support said iso so, to use an analogy, this would be like an architect drawing up plans for your house, giving them to you, or giving them to someone at no cost, and then that person going, yeah, uh, you know, okay, uh, but excuse me, this isn't good enough, you need to build the house and maintain it for me for free. That's a good analogy, and that's, yeah. That's why I think that it might be a little more entitlement, because Red Hat's already given it away. Anybody can spin it up. I mean, yes, it takes a bit of knowledge and understanding, and you have to have the equipment to actually have build infrastructure, Right. but it's already out there for free. What I think is happening is people going, free isn't good enough, I need everything. I need an ISO, I need 10 years of support. Oh, and it's that's like, not a good look at all for those people. Sorry, that's if, why if, I if think, our listeners, yeah. if, if, if that's one of you, I'm sorry, but uh, that, that's just not a good look. That's, that's, I don't, I, I really, entitlement is a word that has lots of heavy meaning to lots of different people you know one person can think entitlement means this another person thinks it means that and a discussion on entitlement without clarifying the definitions ahead of time is 
fraught with peril, we'll say. But just in general, speaking in general terms of entitlement, I don't see how you can call it anything else other than you're owed, I'm owed this. You know? No. It's just like those commercials that are, are saying, uh, you know, getting all the X you deserve. And almost always my response is kind of looking going, deserve? Do I deserve all these pills? I don't know about that. Or, or do I deserve all this healthcare insurance? I don't know. Deserve is a strong word. Mm -hmm. But you know, to say I deserve a copy of Red Hat without having to pay, they put blood, sweat, and tears into making that over two decades. You know, it, you know lineage of the, the first original Red Hat and then starting over and building all these things up. Now, they, yeah, they didn't start over completely. They were still using RPMs and, and a bunch of other core tools that are still around. But, you know, starting over, re rebasing is challenging, especially with a large project like this. They had lots of custom tools. That was one of my complaints about Red Hat to begin with. You know, you had the pure way that came straight from software. And then you had the Red Hat way. They would kind of make a nifty little tool that would run on top. But usually mm -hmm. the, that nifty tool would require Python or something else in addition to it. So if you wanted the nifty Red Hat tool, you also had to have Python in your system. And back then I was like, nope, don't want Python. Bye. You know, so there were no nifty Red Hat tools. All that got rewritten. All that got, you know, redone. That's a ton of effort. Now, that cost lots of people that effort and, and time and money and the opportunity cost of them not doing something else. And I just, I cannot understand an argument that says, I'm owed something for free based upon that effort. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't, I, I really would like to understand that better. And it's not, I don't care that they're making $5 billion a year in revenue. That doesn't matter to me. It could be negative $5 a year in revenue. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. They put effort into something and that something is worth what they're willing to sell and someone else is willing to buy. Because if they want to sell their efforts for like $40,000 a license, I'm reasonably certain they would not be nearly as successful as they are today. But there would still yeah. be people willing to buy them, you know? There would still be people saying, that's worth it, because we want Linux, and we need the support, and we, we're afraid of free Linux. So we want to get mm -hmm. paid support Linux, and we'll pay $40,000 a license. Someone would agree to that. You know? That's worth something. I, I just, uh, the, I guess the entitlement word just kind of gets me all riled up. Yeah. And the other thing that I've heard people mention, too, is that, oh, well, it's Linux and they've just, you know, they've taken all the hard work that other people have done. And it's like, OK, Linux is a community project. Mm -hmm. But over the last 25 years, the amount of code that Red Hat employees have put into it, mm -hmm. let alone the people who have worked with Fedora for free to develop the software to make the software better mm -hmm. is astonishing. And people, do, I don't think, give Red Hat credit for that because they're just like, oh, they just do RHEL. They just take Linux and change a few things and support it for 10 years. Yeah. For the past, I think it's, oh God, I think it's like seven years or something. Red Hat's had about 150 people contributing to the kernel every year. Yeah. That's a lot of that's dev time. That's a serious that, amount of dev that's, time. That's, I mean, it's I high clear. quality, expensive dev time. Let me be clear. That's not 150 like commits. That's 150 unique people at Red Hat that have contributed to the kernel. By contrast, um, I think SUSE is around 60. Averages around 60. Still quite a lot. And at Ubuntu, I think is like 25 mm -hmm. in that range. So when you look at those, which are the other two big distributions people think of for enterprise, 25, 60, 150. Are we also like, including Amazon Linux in there? I know it's downstream from Red Hat, but um, it's no, uh, because of I, that, are. Right. I'm just considering, you know, contributions that uh, Red Hat 
people with Red Hat emails have made okay, to the kernel. And that's just the kernel. That's not talking about the user land exactly. or all the tools. I mean, mm -hmm. people rant about System D, but hello, Red Hat primarily developed System D. There's a lot of things that Red Hat has run the ball with because no one else was mm -hmm. or no one else could. So Red Hat is not just taking Linux, repackaging it, and then making a ton of money on it. They're contributing a ton of code to it to make it better. It's like commingling effort here. You know, or like, yeah. or like we all live in the same neighborhood and we all have kind of an obligation to keep our houses looking roughly neat on the outside. I know some people fall in hard times, the roof is falling in, you know, beams are rotting, squirrels are eating their houses, just as if, for instance. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's hitting a little home, a little close to just, home just there. Kind right, of just, I just was picking something out of a hat, you know? Sometimes that, that happens. And so we all need to come over and help out our neighbor to say, hey, we help you with your roof, something like that. Anyway, but we all have kind of an obligation to help our property stay roughly looking, I don't want to say nice, but um, not a junkyard, right? The kind of thing would pass HOA without all the restrictive HOA, must be same color brick and roof kind of things, you know? Which I live in one of those, it's terrible. Avoid HOAs at all costs. Non I don't, and I'm happy about it. Yeah, well, you also live in the middle of nowhere. You have, I'm also happy about that. You have a half of a functioning grocery store that's also coincident with a Walmart with weird hours. Anyway, so, yeah. wow, completely off topic. But uh, back to my neighborhood analogy. So we all live in the neighborhood. We all have our houses. We have kind of an obligation to each other to keep the house looking neat. But if there's that one guy that has like that old truck up on blocks and has that been out there for like a year, I'm not keen on it maybe, but you know, I like working on old projects, so maybe I'll come over and try and help him out. But Red Hat is like the guy with the really big mansion, and he doesn't want all the other shabby houses, like if he's got neighbors coming in or, or friends coming in, they don't see the shabby houses. So he makes the entrances to the neighborhoods real good. He puts up these like walls and blocks and gates and lights and security guards and all this stuff. And it benefits the whole neighborhood for him to have paid for all these things. We all benefit from the effort that Red Hat has put in, and they've put an enormous amount of effort in. And so all the, the people that say that Red Hat isn't really doing anything and just eating off the backs of everything else, you've, you've got it backwards. We're eating off of their back, if anything. And we're, effectively, we're eating off the, on the backs of the, the co corporations that are paying Red Hat for their mm -hmm. support. You know, because that's, uh, that's where the money and, and SUSE and the other major distributions, Ubuntu and other organizations, uh, the NSA makes contributions, uh, not insignificant number of contributions, uh, sometimes in clandestine manners, you know, all kinds of stuff. It all coming from everywhere. We're all benefit from it. We're all living in the same neighborhood. So don't tell me that uh, they're stealing or anything. I've, I've heard this is long ago. Someone said a oh, red hat stealing from us. No, they are not. We're borrowing from them. We're leaning yeah. upon them heavily, and we thank them for it. This moment. Now this doesn't mean hat. we can't be critical oh, no, of no, yeah, yeah. decisions that they do because we are, and you know we will call them out when they do something that we think is is bad for the community or bad for the culture, but I think it's unfair for people to suggest that they're the leeches. Yeah, that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. So a little bit more feedback that we got Ooh, from feedback. Ulfnik. Yay! Yeah. Hello again, Ulfnik. Um, he said, uh, really amazing episode. It's a must share. I really appreciated the exploration of numerous perspectives. Oh, thank you. And I asked, I was like, any thought that you had that we didn't touch on? Any other perspectives you'd like us to dig into? Uh, and he said that he lived in the Debian universe for years with lots of time on Debian Stable, Testing, and SID. I literally only switched to Fedora Rail universe this month, so it's hard to know what to ask. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that timing. <laughs> really good timing. Sorry, man. Oh, woman, sorry. Uh, it definitely affects me, or will in a year, 
as I went to CentOS for a dependable base install and Fedora for my work VMs. <laughs> right. Just before the news. Poor guy. Congratulations on winning the bad timing award. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you because I'm in the same boat, actually. <laughs> yeah. Where it is confusing is I watch a lot of Linux podcasts and there seems to be very mixed messaging over how dependable a system running stream is likely to be compared to CentOS Linux 8. Hmm. Could streams dependability also be compared to Debian stable testing SID? Using stable to mean unchanging and dependable to mean it'll keep running without intervention. So first off, because I don't think that one I, I actually answered, uh, I mean, yeah, you can set it up and never touch it again and it'll keep running. Mm -hmm. It's when you start changing things that there's the potential that something might go mm -hmm. awry. What I did respond was, so I've gotten more information from people inside Red Hat. Um, to be clear, 100% it is not like Fedora Rawhide or Arch Linux. People need to stop making that analogy. <laughs> Streams are basically one step from RHEL. While it is rolling in some ways, things only end up in streams once they've already passed testing. Then they go into streams as the in-dev branch for other people to build their stuff on so they're ready to go when RHEL minor version was released. Mm -hmm. So if you go to, uh, like right now, 8.3 is out. Mm -hmm. 8.4 is going to be coming. So if you were to get streams, what you are building on and testing on is what will become 8.4. Mm -hmm. It is not the Wild West but it is before the actual official minor mm. version is cut. I would, I would probably say that it's going to be on the same level as a release candidate. Um, there might still be some edge cases that need to be addressed when they come up, but by and large, it's supposed to be stable. From what has been mentioned, RHEL Engineering has been using CentOS as their in-dev branch internally because they didn't want to potentially be messing with RHEL code that's mm. being shipped. Okay. So anything they did in branch, it wasn't any possibility it could get merged in and actually upset rel code which that's, they are you know creating images thinking. from that's that's pretty wise actually so in the past rel development was private it was behind closed doors nobody could see it this now brings all of that development out into the open for everyone to see right for everyone mm -hmm. to be able to take part in um and he responded that is very good information thank you yeah and was. the linux ninja were then replied but it moves centos streams to a not ready for production status where CentOS was production ready. Um, that's not my wording. That's what I've been getting from companies emailing me that they're dropping support for CentOS. And I responded, I don't think anyone is disagreeing with that point. CentOS streams is effectively a release candidate track for RHEL point releases. Red Hat has basically explained this. And since the code is GPL3, anyone, as I've said multiple times, can make a new CentOS. Mm -hmm. People are working on it. I know the Cloud Linux group is working on it. Mm -hmm. um, Rocky Linux Rocky. is another group that's working mm -hmm. on it. No, probably one or two more that I just can't think of off the top of my head. Probably like 10 more. Not all of them have reached up to the level of yeah. being aware by people. I'm certain. So, you know, there will always be a free option that is like RHEL that is downstream. Right. But yes, yeah, CentOS Streams is moving upstream. Now, as for what does not ready for production status mean, that depends on what you do as a company and what production means. If you are a company that develops software, your production is a development system. So having the open development of Red Hat in the open so that you can test in lockstep as Red Hat is being developed, that is a production system for you. This is not a, I want to set up a NTP server in my business and stick it in the rack for it and then only update it once every year. Right. Yes, that, that, is, that is not this. Losing it in the closet. Yeah, no. Right. There, there will still be something if you want to stick in the rel 
universe that is a downstream project that you could use for that. Or you could just buy RHEL or get a free license or one of the one of the giveaway stuff. Like yeah, you know. I mean, or I mean, yeah. Again, use something else. I mean, there's nothing saying that you have to stay on RHEL. I think a lot of people were using CentOS because of the fact that it was based on RHEL. They mm -hmm. had a belief that it was stable and reliable. And mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. Well, it kind of has to be. You're making a commitment to 10 years to maintain the same levels. I mean, whereas every miner kind of advances things along and get new kernels or, or new, new potentially new versions of things. But you're making a commitment to keep eight, 10 years, Red Hat eight. The only way you can do that is if the product you produce at the very beginning is clean enough that it can last and survive. Because every every month that goes along, every new patch, you're now having to maintain the differential between the kernel that you originally published is eight and you know wherever the new kernel is now. So you have to track all the pieces of the kernel at that point in publish in time, that point in time. And every patch that comes into the kernel now, make sure that it doesn't apply to this kernel you're maintaining. The longer you go, the more they drift, the more effort it takes. So for them to be able to promise 10 years, that's quite an accomplishment. The only way they can do it is if they are super, super clean. Otherwise, they get lost in the weeds after three or four or five years. Just try maintaining anything in the modern era as fast as it moves. Try maintaining anything for five years. You know, most of the modern softwares and ecosystems are going to yearly one or two year support. Like Python, 2.7 is now gone. Finally, after 12 years or something like that. And their model is that we're making incremental improvements, uh, you know, 3.6 to 3.7. They added something, something, something. 3.8 was, you know, minor improvements. And I think now dictionaries retain the order you put things in and they got the wallet operator or something. Small things, mostly the same, very little change. All the core stuff stays the same, but they're not going to support 3.7 for 10 years. I think they're going to support it for another year, year and a half. I think they're like, they keep three versions active, I think is what it is. So next is about two years and some change, a slot, and that's it. That's a new normal for all of us because things are evolving too fast to do otherwise. But I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of expecting that CentOS, or not CentOS, uh, Red Hat 9 is not going to have 10 years of support. It's going to have, so like in a car, you can get a warranty for the drivetrain that is separate from everything else. The drivetrain, you feel pretty confident about, you've done a lot of engineering. Five years, 60,000 miles. But everything else gets three years, 36,000 miles because, you know, windows break. Pieces inside get brittle, fall apart, or they get, you know, damaged by the sun much more easily than the drivetrain that you've done a lot of engineering on. I would kind of anticipate Red Hat not being the same. Streams enables that. So they can, they can guarantee the drivetrain of Red Hat for 10 years. But the streams themselves being kind of separately versioned may not have 10 years of longevity in them. So from what I've heard, streams will not have 10 years yeah. because they are just, again, they're the in-development branch. I've, I've heard people, and this is not from anyone inside Red Hat, uh, speculate maybe maybe eight, uh, five years for those. That sounds reasonable, yeah. But I don't know, I don't know exactly how that works because if, if, if RHEL is getting 10 years of support, there's going to be new point releases for 10 years. So then how do you do development in the open for those point releases if you don't have streams there for the whole time? So, okay, like Apache, classic, you know, HTTP, HTTPD server, right? Um, I was messing around with the Red Hat 8 server recently, uh, just something new up at work. I never played with Red Hat 8. And I was like, well, how the heck do I just install Apache on here? And I had to go, first I had to set up the stream that enabled the uh, Apache HTTPD stream 
And then within that, I picked the version that I wanted, which was 2.4. something. Yeah, I really hate using similar terms for different things. So it's not the same thing at all? No. Okay, so why did they do that? I don't know. It's the same reason why everybody likes to use Next, you know, for, for their in-development stuff, which is also annoying. Wow. Okay. Actually, I just, I just realized something about what I just said that I can prove myself wrong. So, oh, well, let's, let's cover that. I love that. Yeah, let, let's, let's cover me being wrong. So, um, right More now, that, CentOS, please. yeah, CentOS Streams 8 is the in-development RHEL 8 branch. So, when CentOS Streams is whatever's going to go into 8.4, mm -hmm. and then CentOS Streams will be whatever's going to be going into 8.5, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Now, at some point, 9 is going to start. Right. And when 9 starts... That's where all the real development goes. And I would say at that point, eight then goes into maintainership. Mm -hmm, probably. In other words, it's it's now a little more stagnant. So then at that point, once nine is being made, CentOS Streams 9 needs to be created mm -hmm. because it's now the end of mm -hmm. branch for nine. So then 9.0 is released. Then CentOS Streams 9 is the pre-release of 9.1. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if at that point, CentOS Streams 8 goes away because at that point the point releases for the eight branch are not getting advancements right they're just getting updates for security patches you know stuff like that that's dry train um, stuff that may not need this you know all that yeah right so i'm thinking that streams is probably not going to have like i said it's not going to have a 10 year so once we get to the later eight point releases so like 8.8 .8 or 8.9 however far they go those may not have the this classic you know I say classic, even though we've just started it. Uh, CentOS Streams 8 <laughs> associated with it. I, I, don't, I don't know. You've got an instant classic on your hands. Wow. Right. Yeah. So declared. So shall it be. Uh, that's just my, my own logical deduction. I could be completely wrong on that. Mm -hmm. If anyone has better information, by, by all means, lay it on me. Please. At some point, I wonder if we're ever going to get like advanced enough to do like live call-ins and someone could be like, hey, JT, you're demonstrably wrong by calling in to, to, to repudiate the thing you've just said uh, i mean it's it's possible the uh the gear to to do that is rather expensive and sure. that would also require us to be streaming live that's true which we don't do we don't do probably for so. the best because I, I have to edit out all my coughs but uh, yeah well no, i guess uh, if people don't call into tv shows or the radio shows anymore this is the internet so they would you know post madly on youtube comments or something whatever it was whatever you're streaming so people from. people call into noah's show live well okay He's kind of a little bit more old school, though, isn't he? Mm, not really. Doesn't he have an FM broadcast show? Well, it's streamed and is on radio, yeah. Okay, all right. But that doesn't so. mean he's old school. He just likes being on the radio. Okay. And I mean, who wouldn't? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of like uh, not being live, to be honest, because uh, if we make some royal screw up, we can go fix it. If you're live, that's it. Now, I like live performance, but that's, mm -hmm. that's, this is technically a performance. But I don't think of it that way. The way I do, like if I'm playing bass in front of somebody, that to me is live performance. And I kind of, I get into that. I like that. What happens, happens. But here it's like, if my dog starts barking in the other room, which has happened before, we have an opportunity to kind of stop and kind of regather the thought, restart over, and we'll just, oh, we'll just edit that out. No big deal, you know. So that's really a big help that we can't do when Noah's so doing that's, a college That's show. actually kind of funny because uh, a couple episodes ago when we ended the show your dog was barking oh like, gosh, right yes. after we ended and i was so tempted to actually leave that in after the episode ended just your dog barking <laughs> but i decided to i decided to cut it out well it, it, i'm sure you've been collecting drops so it goes in the drop board 
because you know it's representative of what happens at Jeff's house is a dog barks randomly in the background. Uh, I will neither confirm nor deny having a directory where I save uh, audio drops. Well, you don't have to. I know you do. I'm confirming you have a directory. How about that? Any, anyway, to get back to Red Hat. Right. Back on topic again. Has, has your opinion and thoughts changed since we recorded that episode a uh, little over a week ago? Um, yes and no. Having seen more information, um, I, I guess it's... What I saw confirmed kind of what I was already thinking. Um, there's some confusion. There's some uh, people didn't think it was going to splash as big, but it's just, they decided. I, I felt then and I feel now that it was very carefully it was delivered at the moment in time when people would not be paying attention. I, I believed that then. I still kind of believe that now. It's it's the holidays. Now I realize it's holidays during COVID, so it's not like typically people would be going to Christmas parties and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and every weekend is full. Now is a good time to dump bad news. This time of year is classically is a good time to dump bad news. And Friday or, or you know, late in the week, that's, that's the excellent time because people listen to podcasts during the week and, and during the weekend they're doing things with family or doing other stuff. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't speak for everybody, but most people, they're kind of preoccupied more on weekends and they have their patterns that they follow on weekdays. Mm-hmm. So dropping news late in the year in December in the holiday season on Thursday or Friday is ideal if you want to bury a headline and this wasn't going to be good news so i I just i still believe that um it was deliberate i i don't um i don't fault them for that they they got to protect themselves mostly i I just i haven't really changed my position much i think i I stand behind all the things that we said then Uh, i think they have not uh, really evolved much at all but you know it's their prerogative to do as they're going to i wish Having had this little uh, confusion over streams and streams and Red Hat not being the same thing as CentOS streams, I wish you had chosen a different name. Can we petition for that? I mean, it's not too late. You still, you know, there's still at least a year before you do this thing. Could we change the name to something else? How about CentOS Rivers? Heck, I don't know. CentOS Estuaries. I don't, I don't care what it is, just not streams. Not an estuary. Well, it's kind of appropriate. You know, you're mixing, you know, the... The raging torrent of new stuff that's coming in with the ocean that is Red Hat stability. It's an estuary. You heard it here first. CentOS estuaries. That's what they're going to do. Yep. Please no. As someone who lived in the largest freshwater estuary in the world, I would disagree with that being the word used. Okay. Um, well, and fine. if you're wondering what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Chesapeake Bay. Chesapeake Bay, yeah. That's really, the whole thing is considered a one big estuary? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Well, that's something to explore later. It has absolutely nothing to do with Linux or Red Hat. Not that that's ever stopped us before from chasing a topic. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's very much the uh, habit of a... Oh, look, there's a squirrel. Well, if it's a fascinating squirrel, let's go check it out. But I also think um, only if it's fascinating. And that sounds interesting, but maybe not to the audience that we're, we're keeping right now. If we want to swap out for audiences interested in, you know, macrobiology and geography, then great, let's do that. But uh, I guess we're starting another podcast. Uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no on that one. Um, you can. Hard, Jeff is going to start a, a geography podcast. Because I am so, so well equipped for that. I've got so much background in geography. Yeah. I live in flatlands. I grew up in the, in the city uh, Plano, which is Spanish for flat. There's no hills where I come from. There's no geography. There's barely even streams. It's just mm-hmm. boring. That's why I don't understand why anyone wants to live in Texas. Because it used to be cheap. Not anymore. It used to be. Used to be. Like a lot of the benefits were 
It was miserable hot, but we had good freeways and you could get around quickly and it was cheap to live here. None of those things are true now. Yeah. So it's like all the, the if you can call them the upsides, the benefits, they're all gone and the negatives have gotten worse. So, yeah. But the, I think for a lot of people, it's the jobs. Texas has strong economy, strong jobs. Dallas, there's a lot of headquarters moving in here. And so people are being forced to move, whether they like it or not. They're coming to Dallas. They're coming to Houston. They're coming to Austin. Austin's had this um, Burgundy. What was it? Uh, Elon called it the Silicon Prairie, I think is what they called it. There's like a, okay. a, the secondary Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's an exodus from Silicon Valley kind of underway right now, going to various places. And some of it's going to Austin. So you, whether you like it or not, listener, you may end up in Texas. You too, JT, may someday end up in Texas again. Much to oh, your, no. much to your oh, chagrin. No. Nope. You've done that. You're, you're, you're past it. No more. Yeah. I can barely get him to come visit. He hates Texas so much. I mean, I do. I do pretty much hate the state. It, well, it's bad experiences, you know? Okay. Well, I'll have to bribe you with barbecue for the next time. Uh, except I'm not really a fan of barbecue. You haven't had my barbecue yet. Oh, uh, see, so don't let's, let's not... Let's not even get into this. Everybody thinks they're the best barbecue person in the but, world. But I know for certain that I not. am. That's, that's uh-huh. how it works, right? Yeah. 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 Hey, weren't we, weren't we talking about doing a, a future episode on uh, arrogance of tech people? Yes. And uh, things well, that is not tech? Yeah. We were. How about yes. that? That kind of ties in. You want to do an I'm episode on like, that? Like, like right now? No, we're not going to do that one now. We're going to okay. do that one later. Okay. So that's like four squirrels in a row. Uh, yeah. Do we want to close back on? Is there more feedback on the Red Hat episode, or do we? Want so to... that's that's it on the feedback on this, and for I think now. we should probably we should probably yeah for now. If we get more, we'll we'll cover it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this this does lead into, and I mentioned it the last time we had our episode to uh, a, a conversation that I've had with a few people before, and I want to have it with Jeff now and bring all of you along for the ride. Oh, great! Uh, which is asking the question: What happens if Red Hat goes rogue? Ooh, so, I like that topic. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so tune in next week, and uh, as as normal, how to contact us is in the show notes. Reach out to us, let us know what you think. I was going to let you close this one out, since I closed out the last couple. Oh, well, okay. Um, each other to excellent B. I guess that's the Yoda, Bill and Ted? I guess. Okay, later, people. 